0: Welcome to another edition of the Let's Go podcast with Ricky Rowe, Josh Tolley, and the Duran. Now, this is a truncated version. Let me explain to you guys what happened behind the scenes. If you're hearing us on iTunes and Spotify, I do appreciate you. Make sure you rate, review, and all that other good stuff. So, normally, we record the shows on Tuesdays, live on YouTube, every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. We have the program that we have it all set up with the interface that allows the people to interact with us. We see their comments, all that other good stuff. There was an outage with that program. I was freaking out. I reconnected my Wi-Fi, turned off the computer. It just wouldn't go, wouldn't go, wouldn't go. Finally, that Google searched, I mean, Twitter searched, and it said, oh, eCam is down right now. I'm like, oh, it's 945. We had Joe Musgrove lined up at 10, day after he pitches, tight schedule. Didn't know what to do. So I figured out, let's do it on Zoom just so we can get the recording done, and that's what we did. Uh, So last minute running around, thanks to Ricky and uh, Tolly for being able to just accommodate me. We got it right at 10 o'clock, Joe was cool, and then I did the intro for the show, It was like, hey, the welcome, this is Zna, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized that on Zoom, which I never use, I forgot to hit record. So after I asked him, hey, how are you doing? I realized that I wasn't recording. So the first thing you're gonna hear him talk about is what do you have for breakfast <laughs> I forgot to record the part where he talked about having 13 strikeouts last night um but we do have a good show with you uh, it's a shorter version because when you're on Zoom I guess you only allowed 40 minutes so we squeezed it all in but we will have another episode with uh Joe Musgrove a real good dude and congratulations to him on throwing the no hitter so uh, Make sure you guys rate, review, subscribe, especially on YouTube. Leave the comments and then share. Uh, more shows coming your way. So without further ado, let's go. And uh, hey, what are you eating right now, Joe?
1: Took up some bagels and brought them down to El Cajon my mom's house. So I'm here with them having breakfast and hanging out for a bit, seeing the dogs. Dude, that's what's dope, man. That's what's dope. I, I never obviously had the pleasure of coming in and
3: only coming in in town for two, three days with the against the Anaheim Angels when we were at the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. You get to stay home, go home, see your family. You can hang out, have
1: cookouts if you want to after day. Games. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. That's the thing. It's not – it's, it's – you know, there's definitely – when I got traded to San Diego, I was super excited. This was my dream, man, to get a chance to come back and play here. But, um, you know, I knew there's a lot of distractions that come with that and a lot of, you know, things that can get you sidetracked with playing at home, you know, with not only, you know, your friends and all those distractions, but being so close to family and, you know, having that be like – you know, a fallback and, and, you know, a, a sense of comfort where if you're on the road and you're by yourself, you're a little bit more dialed in. You don't always have those things to comfort you and stuff. So trying to balance it the best I can, but that's definitely a blessing, man, to, to be able to be this close to family, you know, should knock on wood, should anything go wrong. I'm I'm close enough to be here and, you know, it's not like I'm across the country stressing about things at home. So it's really nice. Shoot, I know, I know that feeling. I'm sure Josh knows that feeling of
3: getting to go to your hometown where you grew up <clears throat> Just the amount of ticket, uh, oh man, I had, and I can just imagine now playing at home. But I mean, when I would come for two, three days, it was an absolute mess, and it can definitely get you can get a little bit sidetracked by it. But that's definitely. cool, man. That's cool. Um, again, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, a little bit of what we do here is just we just you know love to talk shop and, and your journey a little bit and growing up and, mm-hmm. and you know about baseball. If,
2: was it your first love and, and all that good stuff? So yeah, man. Josh. Joe, congratulations, dude. That's uh, boy, something that can never take away from you. But what I'm more impressed with is that you have uh, beer for life. I, I, re- I read an article. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, that's more my speed. I wish I I wish I would have landed that.
1: Dude, that's got to be one of the coolest perks I've ever gotten in my life. And one of the coolest ones for any guy, man. Um, you know, yeah. to get free beer, to get free beer anywhere, but from a company like Ballast Point, that's as well known as they are and as high up in the beer game as they are. Um, I mean, I was ex- I was extremely, extremely grateful for that. And Are they um, naming it after you? I don't know, man. They haven't. No, we haven't talked about that. They uh, there's actually a handful of breweries that have reached out to me to try to make a beer and like get me <laughs> to, to partner with them. Um, it's just been so many cool perks, man. And, and I'm not sure it would have been the same had it been for any other organization, but the fact that I come home and I'm from San Diego and this organization has never had a no hitter. And so early on in my career with the Padres it happened, it just a lot of things, so, um, you know, kind of fell in line with this.
0: So the deal is for the beer from what I read is ballast point has these like cards and they give it to you. So Joe can go to any ballast point wherever they're at. Like, there's mm-hmm. one in Long Beach, one in San Diego, and he can just show them his card, and they give him a free beer for life. Yeah, yeah so
1: I, I think, I, th- I assume that it's if whenever I go there, I can I can sit down and have something to eat and have a couple beers, and they'll just kind of put it on the house, um, maybe be able to slide <laughs> nice. in. And what I'm thinking, I was talking to my dad last night, is, you know, if we're having like a team party or hosting something, you know, maybe they'll, they'll shoot a keg our way or something, Oh yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so. you believe they will.
0: Dude, yeah. you you made history in San Diego. The local kid doing it, first no-hitter in Padre history, and like, everybody's talking about it, and it could have been anybody else, but because it was you, they have to. There's a mural of Joe Musgrove going yeah. up on a wall, right?
1: Yeah, dude. I'm actually going to go by and see it today. I haven't seen it yet, but it's at, uh, it's at my high school. They did it on, like, the side of the art building. So, I mean, that's another thing that's cool. I mean, I'll just be remembered at my high school, you know, forever. I was already – um, somebody that those players had looked up to. And I spend a lot of time back there whenever I am home in the offseason, you know, working out with the guys and, you know, just trying to share a little bit of knowledge and experience that I've had. And um, You know, they respect me a lot. They treat me really well there. They always welcome me in and, and give me whatever I need and open the facilities if I need it. So I've been really close to them. But now it's cool to be, you know, memorialized at that school and have my own mural on the wall. All
0: right. Told, uh, now, Josh. I have a, que- I have a oh, quick... Hold oh, on, oh, oh. Rick, <laughs> real quick, Rick. Uh, just... Joe, okay. you've been giving some great answers. They're all smooth and professional. Stop that. Just talk to us now. All right? <laughs> get all the professional stuff. We got all the professional ones out of the way. That's cool. That's great. Your agent's going to love the answer. Now just be Joe Musgrove, the dude that we know and love, man. Fuck all <laughs> the other boys. Like, just be Joe yeah, now. I, I just uh, want to know
3: what, what he's getting the catcher because our boy Josh, Josh Toley is yeah. still waiting for his – if you don't – I'm sure you know, Joe,
2: Josh caught the first no-hitter in Mets history. Okay, yeah, did you really? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm still I'm still waiting for my watch. So if anybody has <laughs> Johan's address, let me know. <laughs> Dude, that's that's what I uh that's what I was telling my agent
1: yesterday. I was like, I have a few things set that I don't want to drop on here yet in case he hears it because I haven't given it to him. But um, I wanted to try to get something unique. You know, I mean, a, a watch is cool. Everyone loves a nice watch, but I feel like everyone's always getting the guys watches. I wanted to try to think of something unique that I
2: can get him that's you know that he would remember me for. You know, so sure I'm, hey, supposedly Johan was gonna do a painting. I don't know if Vernon Wells' dad still does all the paintings, mm-hmm. but he does those cool paintings like when you go through Texas. I don't know, the old ballpark always had the paintings on the wall. Yeah. So yeah I, I said that would be cool. He said it was done. Um, and I've given him my address about every other week. Still waiting yeah. for my painting too, Johan, if you're listening <laughs>
1: fine. Okay, I mean no, now that you say that, I, I actually I've reached out to my guy, and I don't know if Vic will see this, but he's gonna get the painting anyway. Um, I had a guy in Pittsburgh that did a bunch of artwork for my house and there was a picture of me and him, of me and Vic celebrating on the field right after the last out was made where he's like jumping and I'm catching him in the air and you see the scoreboard in the background and the fans are going crazy. So I got a really cool picture being painted right now. Big one, big canvas one that'll be sent out to San Diego and then I'll get him, you know, something a little flashier alongside with that. That's
2: that's professional, Joe. I love that.
1: Now, now for you,
3: you you grew up in in San Diego, uh, Joe, um, mm-hmm. and you were drafted by the Blue Jays. What was that like when you were drafted by the Jays? Were you just like <coughs> did you, know Dude, you I
1: was the Blue Jays, or, or did you think you were going somewhere else? No, I thought so. There was a couple teams. It was like the Padres, the Blue Jays, um, and the Rays. They all had like a handful of picks on that first day, and they were like kind of like back to back to back, like picks 40 through like 49 or something where all those three teams just one after another with all the sandwich picks. And my godfather who had been acting as my, um, as like my agent during the time, I didn't use an agent for the draft. He was like, these are the three teams that have been real hot on you. So if you do end up going on this first day, it's probably going to be somewhere in this window here between 40 and 50. Um, and Toronto had been at every one of my high school games, man. Like, they didn't miss anything, they were at workouts every game, road game, home game. Um, so I knew they were pretty big on me, and you know, I obviously wasn't expecting to go in that first round until the call came like 30 seconds before the, the pick was made. Um, so that all happened super fast, but I was super stoked to be with Toronto. I mean, I was excited to be playing regardless and to go in the first round. Um, but then I get there, and, and you were leading that staff at the time, man. So, like I just always envisioned like getting there and being able to compete with you guys. And I think JP was catching at the time. Um, it was just a good team. And I was super. And we had so many prospects in that in that minor league system, dude, with like center guard, Aaron Sanchez. Um, we had Justin Nicolino. It was all them. I mean, it was, yeah, there was just so many yeah. guys. And then we all I think in that same year in 12, I mean, a majority of us got traded off and went different directions. Um, but I loved it there, man. I didn't get to spend a ton of time. I never actually made it up to Toronto or, um, even to Vancouver for like the short season team. But, um, that was a place that I really enjoyed playing a good organization for sure.
0: Where were you? Uh, Joe, did you meet Ricky at all? Did you go to oh, the big camp?
1: Yeah. So I don't know if he remembers. We went to, we went to a movie one night, like me, you, JP, and then like a couple other guys. I can't remember who was all there, but you guys took a couple of us younger guys out to a movie. Um and dude, I was 18 at the time. I was like fucking terrified. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> like, so I don't think I even said shit to Rick. Dead. Like I was almost like so- kind of starstruck at the time. Um, but I actually got to see, you know, Rick what, last off season, two off seasons ago during the winter meetings in San oh, Diego, really? and we got to have a good talk and like actually catch up and stuff. So but I'll never forget that, man. And I was pretty young. That was my first time. Like an older guy had grabbed me and taken me out to do something. I thought it was so cool. I mean, it might not have seemed that way because I was fucking terrified, but <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool for me. Wait, do you remember yeah. that? Nah, man. I honestly dude, I yeah, I mean, it was in like Florida during like spring it's training. The,
3: the AMC down there on uh the, the, yeah. the big one that the, the one theater there in, in that right. area. Right, yeah. yeah. But uh, you, you would do that, that for young kids, a right? Bit. What's that? I remember a do little that. Bit.
0: Huh? You would do that for younger kids? Like
3: well, I mean, dude, I, I just I never had that. Asshole in me to be an asshole to to, to younger kids. You know, I mean, yeah. Josh, I'm sure has has seen it. um We've all seen it. I feel like th- throughout our career, and it always just felt weird. I, I I treated everyone the same, man. Everyone with respect, and I didn't. I wanted to be a good role model for everyone because I was like, when they come up and they're they have younger guys, I hope they do the same. That was my whole. Yeah, and
1: that's and that's what I respect, man. Is like, I feel like so many people get the idea that like once they get some time under their belt and they're considered a veteran. They have to act like a veteran and, and, and treat guys like shit. And like you got under, like everyone was been a rookie at one point. Everyone's been a little bit uncomfortable. Everyone's been like shut down by an older guy. And you know how shitty that feels like, I feel like we need to start changing that, that dynamic in the clubhouse and, and make those young. And that's what I saw with Houston, man. Like the very first meeting we had when um, in 17, when we had McCann and Beltron in there for the first year, like guys that were, You know 15 years in the big leagues and you know they just had so much power over a room that got up in in front of everybody and they said look like we got a lot of young guys on this team with a lot of talent and not that much experience so we want you guys to understand that we're here to win games we're not here to embarrass you we're not here to make you feel like rookies we're not here to belittle you guys he's like we're here to we're here to win ball games so you guys be who you're going to be he's like like, play with some swagger play with a little bit of, of passion Have some respect and understand where you are in the ranks and like, you know, respect the guys that have have put in the time and been here for a while, but be yourselves. Like we want you guys to play loose and want you to play the best. So whatever you have to do to, to bring that out, just just be ready to play. So I thought that was one of the coolest things I had heard from guys that had been around the game a while that it wasn't about like making you feel like a rookie. It was about making sure that you were the best player you could be and whatever you needed to do to do that, you know, do it.
2: Yeah, you had no question, Joe, because you had two good ones too, like between McCann and Carlos. I was with Beltran in New York for a little mm-hmm. bit. He, he, I was I was kind of in the same situation. I was younger then, and he always made me feel like you could go talk hitting to him. Now, I've had other guys in the past where it was brutal. You, you were scared to death to have a conversation with him. You were yeah. dragging your bags off the bus. I mean, it was just yeah it, it, it was hell almost but uh and that's get, it man I
1: mean you know like experience trumps everything in the game man like so having out. a guy that you can go and talk to like it just it makes so much it makes it so much easier for you as a young guy trying to get your feet into the you yeah. know into the game well that's true and and I, I remember remember in 05 when
3: my first camp ever I was terrified or 06 and it was like everyone was just everyone looks at you like like, get the fuck out of here, you know, or yeah. move away, move away. You don't want to get in anybody's way. But it's true. I mean, you you should um respect the ranking and and be obviously you should know where you're at you're at, at all times and not mm-hmm. older guys' ways, but at the same time, you're still trying to learn from them. And and that's why when I kind of I, I don't feel like I ever reached that status. But younger guys, I was always like, hey, just do this, do this, stay out of this guy's way. I mean, like a dog, right. you know, you were going to stay away from him. You know, you just yeah. do his thing. You weren't going to go ask him questions on game day or anything like that. Yeah. So you threat lightly. And there was other guys that were completely the opposite. of Just, hey, yeah. whatever you need, here I am, boom. And then it makes you feel way more comfortable and you're not under so much pressure.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, and just the etiquette, you know, having somebody like, you know, I, I really was like big on trying to grab one of the older guys and just kind of be under his wing and be right next to him at all times. And Morton was like the guy that helped me out a lot. Colin McHugh helped me out a ton. Um, but it was mainly just learning the ropes, you know, like when we're on the bus, when we're on the plane, where do I go? Where do I sit? You know, do I wait for everyone else to get on and then just take the empty seat, you know, always double up Beer. the first couple of years, like don't ever grab your own empty seat, you know, make sure you get got the <laughs> beers as soon as the flight's over, like all the little things that like that make you a good rookie. I was just trying to be on top of that stuff and do it before. Wait, they wait, wait. Had wait to hold on. Me, you
0: know? Wait, it's a private jet, right? Or it's a private yeah, yeah. plane. There's so many rows and you have to double up.
1: I just, I was always taught that way like double up. And then if, if there is extra seats after, you can go grab an extra one, but don't sit there and throw your bag on the seat next to you and then clog up mm-hmm. a whole row. So do you feel like that's been lost a little bit nowadays, Joe? I think so. And I, I've seen it. I saw it a lot with Pittsburgh just because we had so many young guys and like young guys that, you know, were. Were at being asked to go out and be re- regular everyday starters. And, um, you know, even some guys that hadn't really earned the rights to, you know, to be – act in the way that they were, but they were a starter and they felt like they were, you know, a big leaguer. And a lot of – you see a lot of guys that, you know, are almost just happy to be in the big leagues, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: And I've, I've completely lost touch with, with you know, what it is to actually be a big leaguer, so.
0: Joe, yo, you know, Joe, How old are you? Uh, 28. Right? You're sounding like a 38 year old salty vet right now, man. I love it because <laughs> Tony's nodding his head like, "Yeah." And Tony was in Kansas, You're just saying how it is, Yankees. bro.
2: Yeah, that's how it is. Hey, that's how it, it is. is. The game is moving, changing. So, like, I, I was brought up like my first year. I, it was Gary Sheffield. That was the guy that, that that was on our team. And and what Chef said, you did, and that's yeah. just how it was. But I was able to learn from that. And there's like that piece of it is is leaving. And we talk about it on the show a lot. Like, that's what frustrates me about the game right now more than anything. Well, maybe a couple other things, but that really does.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it seems like it it used to be about, like to be recognized and to be like a guy on the team, you had to be good at playing the game. Like now it's just about who can be the most entertaining and who can be the most flashy and who can, you know, get themselves on. Yeah. Like it seems like that's what guys are like driving for is like the big defining moment where they can make ESPN or they can be relevant in the conversation without necessarily having to be that good of a ball player.
2: Right. It's true.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. And I love, I love like, I love the speed that the game's at, man. Like everyone's playing with some passion and with some energy, but it, it doesn't feel like authentic at all, like all the time. You know, it seems like guys are like, like pre-planning these things to like, hopefully have the big moment so that they can show off their big bat flip or they can do like the crazy taunting that they've been working on instead of just doing like you're doing your job, man. You know,
0: I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I'm, sure,
1: I'm sure. I mean, um, this past
3: weekend, I mean, playing Dodgers, you saw the Dude. That, that, that it, I mean, I can just imagine
1: if San Diego was at full capacity, how loud that place would be. Bro, that was I mean, that was so much fun. That was like some of the best baseball I've been around. Just the games, I man. I don't think there was more than 10 hits on each side throughout the whole weekend. I mean, it was just dominant pitching. Like it came down to one big swing in every game. You know, one big defensive play in every game. It was it was some really good baseball. You'll face them this weekend, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't I think we're gonna go on a six man now. I think because uh Lamette's coming back on Wednesday tomorrow. And then I think they're gonna keep Weathers in the rotation. I thought Weathers looked really good, man. And for being a young guy, like he's got really good like control of his emotion. And um, you know, he just he seems like he's got a slow heartbeat when he's out there and he's right. able to control and contain his energy.
3: Me and Beto were going back and forth about this. The the runner at second base. what's your take on that?
1: dude i don't i mean it's so hard in the game now especially off those back ending bullpen guys like to get a guy to second base that late in the game um it is so hard so i I don't like it but i mean i understand it is is trying to speed the game up you know and, and it will it will bring games to an end closer but you've worked so hard to get to that ninth inning and keep the game at what it's at or you battled back to tie it in the ninth and then to give a team a start off with a runner at second base i'd rather just play it how it's always been yeah. Now,
0: okay. see, so I'm saying, in the playoffs, <laughs> don't do that. Regular season, everybody right. has the same shot. Like- you're forcing the action in the regular season. I'm for it. I used to be like, no, 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 no. But then all of a sudden, it's the 14th I can inning, see that. and you're like, I can see
1: that. You do, you do say, you do save some arms too. I mean, especially going from 60 games to 160. You know, you have a a dozen extra inning games where you're running out. You know, into the 13th, 14th inning. You know, you can really tax your arms, I guess, but. I don't know, man. Baseball, like, it's such a long sport, like, it's such a long game, and it takes so much to get to that point of the ninth inning where, you know, you can seal up a win or you can blow it, and then to give guys a, an advantage of how, And I understand both teams get that advantage, but um, I just i am not a fan of it.
2: I'm a hard no. I'm a real hard no. <laughs> I, and I only say this, I only say this because when you talk about, like, bull, like, how you construct your rosters and how you construct your bullpens, the teams that are good at that are the ones that win extra inning ball games. Now it doesn't even matter. Now you right. just you, you're right. You go with the back end guy. He gets one crack. Hope he doesn't score. Hope hope you score. I I just right. I, I want to see teams that do a good job constructing their rosters for situations like that. That's what I, that's, that's why I am like a huge advocate of it not being that. That's but a great
0: point. I don't Players and people who know baseball are going to say no. <laughs> people like me who just want to be done with like, hell yeah, put it up. Like the fans are like, yeah, cool. <laughs> because the fans don't know any better. Like, oh, there's a run on second. Let me pay attention. Baseball people. No.
3: The other thing that, that pumps me up that you're seeing more of. And I think teams are starting to realize is guys pitching into the seventh to the eighth inning. Yeah, um, man. It, that's, that's cool, man. I mean, that's, to me, that's the art of pitching. It's it's trying to figure out a way to get into the seventh inning without using your bullpen, without getting to your setup guy, get into your closer rather than have I mean and and then it it's cool. And then, but then the other side is you're seeing more position players throw more than ever. And I'm like, what the what what is this? You know, and I, know, I man. like guys don't want to or teams don't want to burn their bullpen, but it's because you're having your starters go 80 pitches and then right. they're out of the game, and now you're in a blowout, and you have to throw a position player. So, to me, I yeah, know, man. When I see you guys go deep in the game, like hell yeah, like this is. It, this feels, is-
1: it feels good, man. Because like as a starter, I mean, you know what it's like, man. Like you work so hard to get to that that opportunity to feel like you finish your outing, you know, and to get pulled when you still feel like you got some in the tank is a, is a frustrating feeling. Um, and I mean, last night, like, I don't know if you guys caught any of our game, but Woodruff oh, yeah. had Woodruff had like a thirty pitch first inning. And he seemed like he was struggling a bit to find the zone, had a couple of walks, uh, you know, long 30 pitch inning and then watching how he adjusted and was able to get back on the zone and, manufacture, you know, managed to get through six innings and in less than 100 pitches. Um, I think that's really important, too, is being able to bounce back and get some quick outs. That's, dude, that's what I've been like trying to tell people I,
3: in the group chat. I'm always like, dude, there's nothing wrong with the 25 pitch inning. Like sometimes yeah. at, in the sixth, seventh and eighth inning, that's when you feel the best
1: yeah absolutely
3: like you just start finding your groove you start finding your rhythm and you're like boom 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 you start having those eight ten pitch innings
1: yeah and in and and you've gotten and you've gotten to see everybody twice so you almost have set guys up for that third time around if you've worked you know properly or if that's a, that's something you pay attention to you know you can use what you've used in those first two at-bats to your advantage to get some quick outs and yeah I agree with you man
2: It just—I always say—it just allows the guys to get into a flow, right? Between the pitcher and the catcher, you when you know you're getting hooked after the fourth or fifth inning, you just say, "Well, throw all the stuff we've worked on out the window and let's just try to get three outs per inning." And we know we're we're going to get hooked soon. Versus like getting into the flow. Hey, a twenty pitch, twenty-five pitch first first inning, second inning is not a huge deal because Mm -hmm. you're kind of getting the ebb and flow of the game and. That's what I I I am it is good to see that that some teams are doing it. Now other teams are not. I, I can assure you of that. And I feel, <laughs> I
1: feel I feel like a big part of that is is uh you know the way that the game's going with the analytics and stuff is like not even allowing starting pitchers to see a lineup a third time around just because right. statistically they're bad, you know, and that everyone's average, you know, or opponent average goes way up that third time around. So guys aren't even getting a shot and I feel like I'm just now getting to the point in my career where, you know, and it might just be the fact that I'm with the Padres and they run things a little bit differently, but like I'm getting to the point where I'm finally getting stretched out to like get my hundred, hundred plus pitches in. Whereas before, like i I had very, very few outings of a hundred pitches or like seven innings even, but yeah. now it's like last night after the six, I was at like 82 or some 83. and like walking off the field. Like I was, I was kind of expecting him to come shake my hand and I was going to try to talk my way into it. And he came over, he said, you got one more. I said, fuck yeah, I got one more. <laughs> That's yeah. it just feels good. And I know you have to kind of earn that too. Like you have to be able to show them that you can still be strong in that seventh inning and that you're not hanging on by a thread and like running on fumes, just trying to get one more inning in. You know, you got to still have quality stuff in that last
2: inning. You had 13. Joe, does Larry, does Larry spearhead that a little bit? Like being a, being a very like, well-respected pitching coach that he is does he have a lot of say in that or or what's the what's the conversation I
1: think I think the chain there is you know Ting will always come over and and ask me where I'm at um or he'll ask Larry to come talk to me and Larry will come say like where you how you at you know where how you feeling where you at um but I think the guy they rely on the most is Vic like they'll go to my catcher and they'll be like
2: yeah can he keep going and Vic will be like his stuff
1: his stuff's still good like it's he's still good. Keep him going, you know, or he'll hey, be yeah, honest. Like if my shit's fading, he'll be like, he's he's starting to leave us shit over the right. middle. He's starting to, you know, pull off on stuff. So he's honest, and like I trust Vic, you know, more than anybody. So you know, if he doesn't think that I'm that sharp, unless I like feel real good, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust him. you know.
0: Yeah, totally hey, all you know? fired up because catchers are all. You catchers know everything, right? Totally. Well, almost <laughs>
1: everything. <laughs> funny story joe um jace
3: tingler was my center field and center fielder in dunedin when i first signed
1: no shit was he really
3: yeah tell him i say hello <laughs> and Rod I barajas was my catcher in 09 my rookie year Dude,
1: barajas is one of my favorites in our clubhouse man, <laughs> he's, that guy's a, hilarious, yeah, he, man. he's always he's hilarious. talking shit to somebody
2: <laughs> hey joe you know hey you know that he has so many kids it's one for each letter of his last name <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. No, sure. I Does swear he have god. a lot of kids? I got not even talk to him about
1: that. Yeah, no, yeah. Oh the, hey, my god!
2: Ask him and tell Rodrigo I said what's up too, because I'll tell you, this guy dri- he had to drive a school bus. He had so many kids. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this one is still playing. Yes. Heard on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it to him.
0: oh yeah, Joe! <laughs> you had thirteen strikeouts last night. A Padre fan, all that other stuff growing up. And all of a sudden, how many people are asking for your tickets, or how many people are DMing you, how many people are messaging you,
1: dude? It's been it's been really good, actually. I mean, I my buddies and like I don't talk to very many people that I grew up with. Like I got a few group of friends from high school that I still stay in touch with. Um, you know, a couple guys I grew up playing ball with that are still in the San Diego San Diego area. But all those guys are really good, man. I mean, no, not one of them's asked me for tickets. Not none of none of them asked me for handouts. Um, they've all bought their own tickets and like i'll get those guys tickets you know if, if they were to ever come to me i'd be like yeah i'll hook you guys up once in a while but they've been so good about just you know just wanting to support and be there and not really ask me for shit so the coolest i've been part giving of- more out to like family like i'll get i got five in my family so i'll give i'll get five every time i start my girlfriend will come uh my agent so i'm usually leaving like six to ten tickets every time i start but other than that it's been it's been pretty mellow man the coolest part is seeing all the reggae
3: bands that, co- that commented dude on that. That's all dope, of them, man. And,
1: and that that community of people, dude, they're so freaking friendly, man, and so down to earth and just normal dudes. Um, you know, I it's my the, my relationship with them started through tribal seeds. I've been using their walkout, uh their walkout, their song for my walkout music for years. And I've been always like tagging them and tagging them and tagging them. Finally they replied to one of them. And uh we ended up chatting a little bit and and Gonzo, one of their members of their band, ended up having uh believe he had a cancer scare so they were holding like a fundraiser for him to like raise some money so i hit up tony ray with tribal seeds and i was like hey we want to come out and support and um you know kind of show some love do you think you'd have a minute to say what's up so he set us up with like a section right next to the stage he had me bring out like 15 buddies we all sat he brought over every artist that was there that night to meet me um and then over the years i've just stayed in touch with those guys and they're always super friendly whenever they're in town they'll hit me up and Leave me tickets for their show. I'll leave them tickets for the game. i will come down for VP. Um, it's just, it's cool. It's exciting for me, man, because like I've been a fan of these guys for so long, and to, to feel like I, I know them so well after just you know one meeting is cool. That's
0: cool. <clears throat> Here's some and, of the shirts that are made. Uh, Cousin Dan is making the shirts out there. Say Joe.
1: Yeah, dude. Uh, Dave. Dave and his brother. Oh
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. David. Dave, but those are like the, the real friends that are with you right there. And where are they where are they at? They got their own tickets. And look, people, where are they? Yeah. They're a feel. field, man. They're not They're family showing. section. So it's not that hard to support your own friends, people.
1: Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, they've just, been so good. And, and they, they all understand that it's, that's something that I was going to be dealing with. And that's super cool to me that they've all kind of yeah. given me some space. I told them I'll hook them up. Like, I'll just surprise them with tickets for their birthday. Or, like, if there's a big game coming up, I know they want to come out. I'll, I'll hook them up. So
2: I, I wonder yeah, if that, that makes
1: – oh, go ahead, Josh.
2: No, no, I was just saying that just like, I, I remember going back to St. Louis to play and it's like it, these conversations, but when your friends understand it and you don't have to like be the asshole and say no mm-hmm. all the time, it just, it, it makes playing at home enjoyable. I'm sure
1: it does, man. It really does. Yeah.
2: Heck yeah. That's that's it. I, and I wanted- it's hard,
1: dude. Cause like, I almost have a hard time saying no sometimes. And sometimes you don't even have to ask me like, they will be like, Hey, uh, you know who you guys play starting this weekend, and like, I'll just feel like a need to be like, yeah, man, like you want to come? I'll leave you a ticket. <laughs> I just can't help yeah. but, like want to like, <laughs> I want them to be involved and I want them to feel like, you know, special. So that's I how I was in Toronto, like,
3: yeah.
1: that's how I was in Toronto.
3: If, if the dry cleaner guy was dry cleaning my suit, yeah, I'd say, man, just, man. you want to come to the game tonight? Let me know. Here, leave me your name. I'll leave you tickets. No worries. Exactly, bro. It's it makes someone's day, bro. It just feels yeah. good. It really does. It really does. I wanted to kind of dig into this because we have you. Obviously, you threw a no hitter. Uh, Josh caught one.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: I just kind of want to dig into the minds a little bit of like Josh for you calling a game. Is it nerve more nerve wracking than 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 Joe being on the mound and knowing that he has a no hitter going? How how's that
2: process go? Well, I, I would say from a catching standpoint, for me, it's like you don't want to be the guy to let strike three go to the backstop, and then the next guy gets a hit. Like, that's yeah. where I felt the nerves more than more than i mean I, I I think more than pitching i I don't know that's that's probably calling the wrong pitch was not the issue. it was like don't don't drop the pop fly to extend an inning or don't run to the backstop to get a ball on now, on if, your account
3: now what if what if you know johan would have shook off base hit? would you have given him shit?
2: hundred oh, <laughs> percent <100%. laughs>
1: <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah, man, that level of trust in, in your catcher, especially when you're when you're cruising like that, it almost feels like that's like that's just as bad as someone saying you got a no hitter or someone talking about it is shaking <laughs> off the catcher. Like things been going so well. Don't fucking get you know, don't get too good for yourself and shake them off thinking you got something better. Just fucking trust you what you've been doing all game and throw. How many, How many times did you, you shake you off, Joe? I think maybe <laughs> twice night. in the whole game. Yeah. Oh, and Vic will
2: say you never shook off once, or
1: he should yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And like and that's something I tell him about. Like Nola asked me this, Austin Nola asked me in spring training, like, what makes you uh or he asked who's who's your favorite catcher that you've thrown to and what about him like made like made him your favorite? Like what does trust mean to you? Like from a catcher. And I described it as like somebody that puts in as much effort as I do when it comes to game planning and understanding the hitters. Like when I when I like I do a ton of like video work. I make my own notes. I do all this work preparing on how I want to throw throw to guys, and I talk to my catcher about it the night before start and then the day of the start. Um, but then when we get out in the game, dude, like I let all that shit go, and I trust that me and him are on the same page, and that he knows what he's doing. And like he's the brains, I'm the muscle. You tell me where to put it, I'm gonna put it there, and it's just it's yep. just a game of execution for me. I'm not thinking about trying to outsmart the hitter. I'm just hoping that. My catcher is as prepared as I am, and knowing how to move the ball around, how to change speeds, and for me, it's just nothing but locked in on pure execution. You know,
0: that's what's up, man. That, that's that. Next I, Joe,
2: I, I love that. I, I love talking. I love talking this part of the game, especially because where we are with the analytics, right? I mean, right. the first guy to ever show me how to really do a real scouting report really was Rod Barajas, and we mm-hmm. talked about like we, we were, we were teammates and now i feel like most people don't even do their own scouting reports they don't do scouting reports period they wait for the analytical people to put it on the wristband and then you go from there so the fact that you you put the effort in i think is also what's missing from the game but i think it goes to your success right now is that you are prepared and all you can do is execute and now we're, we're at a different era where it's uh, well, whatever the wristband tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. So if there's conviction or not conviction, I don't even care.
1: You know, and, w- and which is super dangerous. And like you said, with the conviction, Hell like, yeah, when you get out there for me personally, and I feel like a lot of people feel this way and might not realize they do, but whenever you're out on the mountain and, and I feel like, you know, nervous, or I feel like pressure, I feel like stressed out. It usually becomes because there's a part of me that feels a little bit unprepared. Like I could have done a little bit more. I should have studied a little bit more. Yeah. When I do my work and I read all these scouting reports, you know, for guys that are starting and bench guys, I've gotten my work in the weight room. I did my running. I did my my rehab and prehab stuff for my shoulder. I got everything right. I'm as, as prepared and as ready as I can possibly be. I feel like I'm more ready than the guy that steps in the box before I even throw a pitch. Like I already feel like I beat him. So a big part of that is the mentality of knowing that I know exactly what I want to do. Now it just comes down to execution. I'm as ready as I can be.
3: Where did did you learn this, Joe? Like, was there a picture that you saw prior to this, like prepare this way? And you were like, man, this is what it takes
1: for me to. Yeah. Keiko was a big, was was like really big on that. Um, And I watched him work a lot. And for somebody that didn't have overpowering stuff, it was amazing to me how he could, how he could know when to go in, when to go away, when to change speeds, all these things. Um, and he always talked about, you know, knowing what you can use to start off a guy, like, what can I use to get ahead of him and get control of the count? You know, where's my least amount of damage done throughout the count? And what can I use to put him away with, you know? And it's kind of like people tell you when you're giving a speech or when you're going to go out and talk to somebody, like, know the first thing you want to say, and know the last thing you want to say, and that's going to make a smooth. And then the middle kind of just happens and you flow and you go with whatever you have to do. Um, but always knowing how you want to start a guy and how you want to finish a guy. And then the middle, you kind of figure out based on what the hitter tells you and the reactions that he gives you. Um, so that was something I learned a lot from Dallas. But I feel like we talked about the analytics stuff. Like it's, it's dangerous a little bit for guys that are young coming into the game because now there's like so much information and so much stuff for you to use that, you know, you find yourself. And I found myself doing this um was trying to be nine different pitchers for every guy in the lineup you know trying to create a different game plan to beat you know everybody's weakness on in the lineup as opposed to McCann telling me like you got to understand and find out who you are as a pitcher you know what do you do well what can you execute eight nine out of ten times you know what's your bread and butter what are you going to when you're behind in the count? what are you going to when you need to punch out you know understanding who you are as a pitcher and like the majority of the lineup, the six, seven of those guys in the lineup are going to get your best shit. You know, it doesn't matter what they do well, what you, you know, what they don't do well, they're going to get your best stuff. And then there's the outliers like the Mike Trouts, the Miguel Cabreras, you know, the few bangers in each lineup that you might have to pitch a little more carefully or you might have to take some chances, you know, in different areas. But for the majority, like your stuff will always trump and the confidence and conviction you have in it will always trump what someone doesn't do well.
2: No, no doubt. And that's the biggest thing is like, Man, I wish I could just bottle this conversation up because it's all about execution. It doesn't it matter. It truly does not matter what pitch. And this is Mark Burley made a comment to me. One I time. was just about to say that reminds me of Burley. Yeah, Burles, Burles told me one time, he says, hey, no matter what, the sign goes down, I throw the pitch. I says, well, like, what's the thought process? He says, well, I got to execute the pitch. If I don't execute mm-hmm. the pitch, it doesn't matter. And that's what I said. You can have all the information in the world you want on on wristbands, but the fact of the matter is, you got to go out and make the pitch. Right. And having that mindset, especially you're right, these young kids are going to get left in the dust. I know for a fact
1: they will, because <clears throat> of that. And I think, like you said, like when you focus on just execution being the main goal, the biggest difference for me in my last handful of starts last year, and then you know leading into this season is you know, the mental, the mental approach that I'm taking, like, like I said, it's purely execution and I'm I'm like internalizing the challenge of like me versus myself, you know, can I stay at the maximum amount of focus and just worry about execution and not get into the, the, you know, the mental match of like, I'm going to overpower this guy or I'm going to, I'm going to mad dog him. I'm going to intimidate him. I'm going to, you know, try to outsmart him here. I'm just going to fucking execute. And that's all I care about, you know? Whatever reactions, I don't care about your big swing and going to a knee. It doesn't matter. I'm going to execute the next pitch, the next pitch, you know. And I, I'm a really emotional guy when I pitch, man. I get really into it. I get sped up sometimes. So I think switching my mindset off of trying to compete with the guy and the other, you know, 60 feet away, just competing with myself and keeping myself right where I need to be. I know where that sweet spot is for me mentally to, to be yeah. at my best. So
3: this, this is what's cool about it, too, though, Beto. I right hear it, though. Like you, you hear Joe talk, and this is a guy who's already – Established himself as a big league starter, but how long it took him to actually realize like, okay, this is what I got to be successful. This is what I got to follow. This is the game plan that I got to adjust to. I got to make sure I know myself as a pitcher. And you would think now nowadays we have guys who think they have it figured out in high school. Yeah, man. Well, my, you I'm know, my older. son's the
0: number one rated nine-year-old. He's got it all figured out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> so his so, Instagram, he's got five thousand followers. He won a ring this weekend at you Triple but he's got Literally. it all figured out at ten.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and, this, and this is where we're at, and 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 not trying to bash anyone of or course. anything, but but it's it's almost like it takes guys a while to get established in the big leagues, even when you're a big leaguer. I mean, for me, yeah, it, man, it came into fruition in two thousand and eleven, and that was two years in. I kind of started learning myself and learning my game plan and and what I wanted to do, how I was going to prepare. I had Doc Halliday in 09 kind of watching him, and I'm like, wow, this is what it takes to be this successful. This is He's on another level. Like, this guy had a notebook full of notes, taking notes on Big Poppy. I'm like, why, dude? You already faced him, like, 150 times, like, in your career. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, man, those guys are always constantly making adjustments off of me, so I got to be ready.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: Oh, I shit. can listen to Musgrove and uh, Toli and You guys talk for a while. We're gonna have to do it again soon. But next time, Joe, we're gonna do is we're gonna do it live on YouTube, where people can ask you questions and get, interact with oh, you. Sweet, and that'll be really. We'll do it on a, on a. We'll figure out a day where you really have time to breathe because I know everybody's still asking you for beer right now because you got the free beer. Uh, yeah, I'm beer guy. I like, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure you still. Joe, sure, I'll send you my of- address.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I got you guys. They sent me so long oh, with that okay. card. Along with that card for free beer, they sent forty-four six packs. So I'm freaking got
2: beer stacked oh, to the ceiling man, in my man. garage. Let me put on another do. twenty pounds. 20 hey, totally. What do you got on this picture here?
0: Yeah. What is that?
2: Yeah, I love that. I was just gonna you ask
0: had, you, had you where you we it hanging in
1: my room since I was probably eight years old. I got it from Kevin Mitchell, who was a good buddy of my dad's, and uh, he gave this to us. It's signed by all the '86
2: Mets. You no. Know, uh, oh, Wally Backman, Ooh, he's one of my favorites. Dude, yeah, it's sweet, man. Doug Gooden <laughs> up there. Everybody, yeah. it's pretty.
0: No way. That, oh, that's from Mitchell's a San Diego that. guy,
1: right? Yes, yeah, so this was, he yeah, gave right. me this one too, of him when he was in a uh,
0: oh, uh, like,
1: tough right there. but Yeah. And then in San Fran. I got a bunch of his jerseys and stuff. He was really good to my family and, and to me growing up.
0: Mitchell was a stud. Remember he had that one-handed catch? Oh, Yeah. yeah.
1: that's how i describe to most people like because i always tell stories about i'm like yeah you know the guy that made the barehanded catch i'm like oh yeah yeah i know that guy i love
0: it all right joe we gotta get going because this thing's about to cut off but uh we'll put this up though we appreciate it we'll catch up with you in a couple of weeks where we have a more extended time really get into it um do appreciate it and yeah, joe i
3: appreciate it man world series champ
0: 13 strikeouts but most importantly for me a beer for life free beer baby (laughs) (laughs) that's That's right right. thanks
2: joe that was awesome all right guys take care appreciate it okay good luck we'll see you